0: Broadcasting from Littlehampton, UK, this is the Man Up Podcast. From Sorted Magazine, official sponsor, stangiversary.co.uk. Loading in 5, 4, 3, 2,
1: 1.
2: Hi, this is Steve Legg. Uh, it's Maytime, the sun is a shining, and welcome to the Sorted Man Up Podcast. It's our festival edition, and in this one we speak to singer-songwriter Rob Halligan. The hilarious, funny guy, Mr Paul Carenza and Warren Evans, the Chief Executive of Sports Chaplaincy UK. So um, share this with your mates. You're going to enjoy this one. Hi, this is Lieutenant Colombo, and you are listening to the Man Up podcast. The most fun you can have without a cigar and a trench coat. All right, I think I've bothered you enough for today. I'll let you go on and listen. Oh, oh, and just one more thing. Enjoy the show. First up, it's Rob Halligan, a great mate of mine. The BBC once described Rob as Bruce Springsteen having English tea with Billy Bragg. So that's a good comparison, although you could maybe invite more people along to the party. As Rob's also been compared to my personal favourite, Neil Diamond, Martin Joseph and John Mayer. You get the picture. Here we are chatting to Rob after a gig at the Spring Harvest Festival. Live and direct from Butlins. Steve Legg brings you the best
3: podcast every single month. It's so great. He's a great guy. No one knows more about great podcasts than me. The features, the interviews, even the adverts. It's a great show. Fantastic. Enjoy the show. So here's my first guest. It's
2: Rob Halligan. Hello, mate. Hello. How
3: are you?
2: Well, welcome to our festival. Podcast, you just been performing for us at Butlins.
3: Yeah. Um,
2: yes, we've made it. <laughs> performing in a tent in a car park in Butlins. Yes, it keeps you keeps you humble, doesn't it, mate? It was a great gig. You enjoyed it? Oh, yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. It's a, it's it's a, this is a it's my second time here. It's a very it's a friendly place, isn't it? Yeah.
2: Oh, it really is. What would be your ideal gig? If um, you know, if it's the dream gig, would it be a a festival like this do you, you know a, I, I have
3: pub pub one I, I have one ambition in, in music, in the stuff that I do. is uh, I, I don't you know, I'm not it's not about being famous, it's not about anything like that, but I I wanna play at the Albert Hall. Oh, do you know what I performed at the oh, Albert Hall <laughs> I only had twelve
2: minutes. It was part of a big garland. I think it's one of the ultimate places that and the Palladium Yeah. Palladium be as big for a, a muso?
3: well is it, the Albert Hall thing is because my dad one of the last things he talked to me about was before he died was about the fact that he played at the Albert Hall oh did he? he was a muso? well yeah and I didn't know Is it, the story was you didn't know he was a muso? Uh, no no because he hadn't played for years you see um, a piano apparently and he said you know this is the last the last real conversation I had with him it was, it was he says oh, I really like your music I'm proud of your music he says uh, he says um, he says I used to be a musician I said did you? I've never seen you play anything he says yeah I used to play the piano I played at the Albert Hall once I said no he said yeah yeah." I was in a band with Roger Daltrey no and I and I and I thought oh you're pulling my leg but after he died, I did a bit of research. And he did play at the Albert Hall. I still don't know about Roger Daltrey. I haven't found out either way.
2: That should be fairly easy to check out, shouldn't <laughs>
3: so, it? With the internet, it was probably at school, and they were probably jamming together or something like that. Yeah, yeah. It could be,
2: couldn't it? Yeah. So you mentioned your dad. Tell us about your dad. You lost your dad in a very tragic yeah, circumstance. Yeah, my dad you didn't would... really kind of kick-started
3: your music career, didn't it It did. Yeah. So I, um, well, I've been I've been doing sort of church music. Um, and stuff like that and I've been involved in the church band and I've been in a couple of school bands when I was a kid but um, my dad was killed in the Twin Towers 9-11 and, um, and one of the things that came out of that was I, I felt like I had stuff to say about it Um, so and I still do you know a lot of what I do is kind of come out of that it's about reconciliation it's about forgiveness it's about how music kind of builds bridges I suppose Um, and so I started you know writing a lot of songs like that and I decided this is what I want to do I'm going to you know I I worked in the corporate world I was an HR manager and uh, I decided to give that up and do the music full time and that was that was um Yeah, that was a bit of a turning point I suppose. How would you describe your music? I don't know I'm a busker I suppose I don't know um, I've got
2: to say I loved it Sometimes you hear folk music you think oh man did you remember the spinners <laughs> did you remember the
3: spinners
2: <laughs> yes people were yes. terrible jumpers <laughs> yeah, and Maldunaga Maldunaga and all, again. yeah, yeah those yeah. sort of people no um,
3: you see I don't class myself as folk and I think proper folkies wouldn't class me as folk I'm a singer-songwriter um, if you uh, some I don't know I mean I, I, I suppose I quite like the, the, the BBC's thing of Billy Bragg having, no, Bruce Springsteen having English tea with Billy Bragg, which is how they described it. But I think it's more than that, and I think um, you know there are so many influences you get. Um, I play guitar and I love trying out different tunings. I think my albums kind of they 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 do they all sound like me, but it really you know it always depends on who you've been listening to. Um, so this last uh, then my latest album for instance I'm doing a lot of a, uh, open tuning on it and that's because I was listening to the guy called Dougie McLean the Scottish singer songwriter that's a good Scottish name isn't uh, it? Dougie McLean yeah and he wrote a brilliant song Ready for the Storm and I, I wanted to learn it and so uh, and he was using a weird tuning when he played it so I learned this song and I thought I've got to write some more songs in his tuning you know to make it worth it and so, I, so this new album half the songs are in this open junior. amazing it means nothing to me <laughs> just, just look, look interested that's what I tell the audience when I'm talking about it
2: so if you want to catch an action website if you want to get in contact yeah
3: it's um, robhalligan.co.uk um, is that with two L's H-A-L-L-I-G-A-N um so yeah, you can get me on there. and that's got all my gig details and everything. I'm uh, I'm touring my new album throughout. throughout well, I'm planning a tour now through the autumn. So if people want me to come and play, I, I work on a whatever you can afford basis. Um, I'm really easy. I'm really easy to work with. <laughs> so um, and always, you know, I, I love it. I love going and connecting with people and connecting with audiences, telling them the story and, and uh, sharing some music. Yeah
2: when whiling away the days, months and years of the Shawshank State Penitentiary. I love nothing more than to listen to the Sordid Man Up podcast. Fear can hold you captive. Man Up can set you free. Next up, it's Mr Warren Evans, Chief Executive and Big Cheese of Sports Chaplaincy UK. Donald Trump here, Leader of the Free World. Speaking of free, you're listening
3: to the Man Up podcast.
2: Warren Evans, growing up it was a combination
1: of faith and sport for you. Tell us about your upbringing. I guess like most people uh, of my age and era, uh, sport was very important to them. And I'm one of four brothers, and with four brothers you've got a lot of energy. And part of that is to play sport. I've got a twin brother, and we played sport. Everything, we played football, rugby, cricket, tennis, any sport going. So sport was really important to us as boys. But also it's important to us when you've got a young family to burn off some of that energy and channel some of that energy in a positive way. And I guess from my, my relationship with Jesus was actually my father was a great example, my parents were a great example, I didn't have any excuses. And at times that could be a challenge as well because you're, you feel you're never going to achieve it. Not that they were perfect, I know that, but in my eyes they were because uh, they're gracious people. And that's also a challenge sometimes when some people live the talk. And walk the walk. Uh, for me it was navigating that as a, as a young man as well. And, and and really finding my niche in life. And yet we just see how God ordains his, his path for your life.
2: How did that lead on to sports chaplaincy?
1: Well I'd also seen my father being in ministry. And it's not uh, when you give your life to ministry it's not an easy thing you see the difficult things the hardships the challenges yes the, the good things as well but I thought I want to be in business I want to earn some money I want to have a a nicer lifestyle and I that's where my career went I, I was in a career business successful to an element to a degree but God's got a funny way of uh, getting his way and and I guess sometimes I remember I don't know, my early 20s, mid-20s. I just felt, God, uh, the only way I can say it is because some people say I had this Damascus Road experience. Some people will explain it as uh, I, I wasn't really saved and then I got saved. I, I'm not going to it, I made a commitment at the age of five, but maybe I wasn't always pursuing God. And I felt like I was on a dog lead. You know those extendable dog leads? And it felt like the dog lead had gone out and God said, that's enough now. It's time to come in. And at that point, I just reassessed my life and, and felt, okay, God, you're in control. Uh, and I want to give it to you and at that point it was just about pursuing God and in that journey I continued to do business but part of that journey was then God took me out and we ended up going to Bible college when I got married and then we came back and took on a church with no intention to take on a church but ended up pastoring church and that's when I got involved in sports chaplaincy. It was my local sports club. My The chaplain previously to me said, you're the next sports chaplain. And I said, that's great that God's told you that. I wish he'd told me. And we navigated that. And he's a great mate and a great friend. And that's really where the journey started. And, and there's highs and lows and challenges in that journey. But the journey is really to say God's in control. God will take you what you think can be. I guess Romans 8, 28, when you submit your life to God, God will take the good, the bad, and the ugly in that sense and use it for his glory. And for me, it was submitting my life to him. I thought it was in church. And and in in my upbringing, you know, if you want to be in full-time ministry, that was the only option, to be a full-time pastor. Uh, So I had no other, I just wanted to serve God. But God sort of had different ideas on how effective that could be and I thought it was in this small community nothing wrong with small communities but God had a different community and that was sport
2: what are some of the highlights of your chaplaincy work I realize you can't name names but um fill us in a bit mate gosh that's
1: yeah there's confidentialists I can't name names but I think uh, the general thing is that people allow you into their life that's incredibly humbling when people uh, let down their guard uh, share things confidential things with you And you hear some of these things, and it's it's just immensely, it's humbling. It's very humbling. Who am I for them to let me into their life? And there are times when they've shared stories back to me, different members of team, different members of staff, how we've helped them, how just being there has made the difference. And you think, wow, just being there. And, and then you realize it 's actually God in you is making a difference, but you know people saying i, I won 't be married if it wasn 't for you speaking hoping at my marriage i won't you know I was so pleased, pleased that when I was not in my home country, I told you some hair curling moments and you never judged me, you just spoke positivity over me, you just saw the best in me, and I guess it 's those moments, those opportunities, the little things, not the big things it 's those little things where people say thanks or someone come up saying. I've got a challenge, and, and you have the opportunity to say, I'm going to pray with you, I'll pray for you, and they come back and say, thanks, really appreciate that. And they mean it, it's not, it's not a churchy thing, it's not, oh, thank you, really appreciate your prayers, it's, it's sincere, it's real, and, and that's an immense privilege.
2: So this is our festival edition. What does the World Cup mean to you? It's the biggest football festival in the world, and will you be using our special sorted wall chart?
1: I think no. <laughs> I, I love sport, and I love I love football off my American friends soccer mm-hmm. uh, and that's great but I, I wish sometimes you you stop looking at sport as a commodity and start seeing it as people and you sometimes see the challenge but yeah I, I will be supporting my national team I won't say which one I'll get shot there are four national uh, teams that we can support in the UK but I will be supporting mine because I'm very nationalistic in a healthy sense and hoping they go as far as they can So, yeah, I'll be looking at it and enjoying it and using it as an opportunity to speak to people, Uh, people who are on a journey, people who are not on a journey.
2: What sort of work will Chaplaincy be doing at the competition?
1: Yes, certainly we've been involved at many elite competitions, both in the UK and across the globe, with other organisations similar to ourselves who are making a massive difference. And part of that is to be aware of the challenges that people are going through, challenges of being away from home, the challenges of being homesick, the pressures... You know, it's difficult for me and you and normal people to understand the focus, the attention, the microscope of life, of TV, social media being on you, looking for every mistake, looking for every opportunity, and that puts immense pressure on relationships, immense challenges on people. We know that when we look at previous World Cups and look at David Beckham, the hopes that was placed on one show. young man at such a young age, and how that can impact people in a positive and negative way. So I guess as a chaplain, we stop looking at people as a commodity and we start seeing the wider people, the wider circumstances of them as people and family and friends and how we can best support people and speak, not about judging their football skills, but about speaking the best of them and encouraging them and uh, seeing, you know, just bringing a bit of normality into their lives. And finally, Warren Evans, what are the biggest challenges professional athletes face? Well, finance does at certain, but elite sport, it doesn't always mean there's loads of money, that's the reality, but it does mean there's attention, it does mean there's kudos, it does mean people are trying to get their attention or align themselves with certain people for the wrong motives, And, and, and professional... Athletes are just normal people who are good at one thing sport. And we put in mints, you know, they've got to be role models, they've got to be this, they've got to be that, they've got to be the other. Sometimes we, we place them on platforms that it's really unfair. If someone put you under the microscope, or I under the microscope, or our, our neighbour under, under that same kind of scrutiny, Uh, I think we'd all fail in that sense so I think part of that is just being aware and how we can best serve and and actually distract sometimes and put in context life you know your career's not that long think about your family think about the whole context but yes chaplaincy is an immense privilege uh, but we do look from a different lens and a different perspective
0: in the latest bumper edition of sorted magazine big name exclusive interviews hollywood a-listers tv adventurer bear grills inspirational true life stories adrenaline-fueled sports features all this plus gadgets entertainment motoring movies and technology plus probably the greatest team of christian writers ever assembled available now from high street retailers nationwide or visit sortedmag.com sorted for men for life healthy friendships are important friends who listen laugh challenge and offer sound counsel who has time for that we do why not have a -a stagiversary? unite both old and new friends over a day weekend or even longer but this time round you set the agenda at Stagiversary, we believe in fun and adventure But most of all, helping you to create space to rest, refuel and reconnect with the important people in your life. What are you waiting for? Visit Stagiversary.co.uk. inquire within and let us do the rest.
2: And finally, it is our friend, the fabulous Paul Carenza chatting after his show at Butlins uh, after hours in a very noisy yacht club. Sorted Man Podcast. These guys are great, fantastic, absolute fantastic. However, not as good as America will be when I am done with it. So it's May. It's the Sorted Man Up Podcast, and uh, he was on the first ever. He's back. For ever, was it the first
0: ever? Yes. How yeah. about that? I'll take that. I'll take uh, that.
2: What do we call it? Food blade, belly buttons, oh, yeah. and um, oh, yeah. something else. with yeah, yeah. me? Yes. Welcome back. Let's have that. Bible oh, and Boomblade.
0: Well, that is very appropriate. You performed oh, yeah. tonight, seller of Butlins, mate. It's nice. It was good. And Butlins, there's a B for you. The Bible <laughs> and of Butlins. That's what it's all Do about you know, tonight. It could have been
2: actually. It it could might, be be. To might have been. Might have been. So, Paul, tell us about the yeah. new show. This is our festival
0: special. Yeah. I, uh, I, I've, I've, I have no voice as such now because this is what be my third night of three different venues around the country doing. The three Spring Harvest and Harrogate Skegness and Minehead of a, a new show, technically called "The Bible," the one-man jukebox musical. So it's been an attempt to, yeah, encapsulate everything from Genesis to Revelation via cover versions of pop songs, alternate lyrics, that sort of thing. <laughs>
2: In under an hour.
0: In under an hour, it's been tight. Man, it's been tight. Man, I think Harrogate. We have around five minutes. Last night by three minutes. Tonight, bang on sixty. We'll take that. Wow. So, how much planning goes into that? Uh, a fair amount. i spent longer than it's uh, sane for a human to do. Uh, <laughs> by either looking at the cover version, you know, you've got to get your in track. Yeah. Got to get your "Let It Go" for Frozen or Celebration. My call of the gang. Then you've got to, you know, Revelation, Celebration, brilliant. Yeah, Revelation, you know, Revelation, celebrate end times. Come on, you know. Yes. And then you're on rhymezone.com looking for every rhyme for rapture you can find.
2: And uh, turns out this capture, and that's about it, really. So, um, you know. it. and uh, we were chatting before you turned up in the uh, the after show party, yeah. in the York Club, Keep about uh, how you covered circumcision. <laughs> you had to say that I'm taking a drink, so you yes, drink yeah. there. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, you know, there's, there's a particular at the, at the top when you've got all the big stories in Genesis. So I wanted to get in, you know, uh, Cain and Abel, Cain he and heavy, he's my brother, you know. Uh, uh, Noah and the Flood, you know, uh, Under My Umbrella, I'm Sailing, a little bit of wet, 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 all that stuff, you know. And, uh, and then Abraham, and then so, you know, this, the first circumcision, the first cut's the deepest, you know, you've just got to... It's one of those, you just drop it and you move on. You, if those who want to get it can get it, and yeah, uh, those who don't want to get it will move
2: on very quickly. So which which song are you most proud of? Which oh. one do you think, oh, um, yeah, I'm really pleased, I'm going to make myself of coffee when I thought of that. Well, do you know what, the one that I
0: always liked, partly because it was a bit of a, uh, a, um, a, bit of a clunky kind of, a desperate attempt, mm. I would say, was Paul's Letters. Tricky to get to, you know, you know, heavy theology stuff, Romans, Corinthians, all that stuff. But what letter writing songs are there? Uh, it's please, Mister Postman, yes. and um, and I've gone for Eminem's "Stan," you know. So I've got like "Dear Romans," I wrote you, you're still not calling, all that sort of thing. You know? And so, got, so I wrap it, you know. And I'm a 39 year old white middle class male from Surrey. I've never rapped in my life, and, <laughs> and yet, yet presents, and yet thank <laughs> And yet, thanks to Spring Harvest, tonight, before my show, I did five minutes, including that rap, in front of 400 teenagers, and trust me, a teenage audience, if they don't like it, they're going to glare at you, and, uh, you know, we got away with it, we got away with it. I can't say we stormed it, we got away with it. Paul Correngia, comedy genius. Good man, Cheers, sir. Hey, this is Sylvester Stallone, and I play it tough. You're listening to the Sorted Man Up podcast this is what we do
2: so there we go we hope you've enjoyed our latest podcast please do tell your friends leave some feedback spread the word and we'll see you next time that was the
1: man up podcast they'll be back you've been listening to the man up podcast from sort magazine recorded edited and
3: delivered by flagshiprecording.com.